Welcome to RUF, everybody. Glad that you're here. Hope you had a uh, good spring break. Excited to uh, excited to be back. Um, excited to see if it's your first time. We're especially glad for you to be here with us. Um, RUF is here to reach out uh, to the campus, uh, to reach out to college students for the gospel of Christ. And whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, not sure if you're a Christian, or even if you're not sure that you would ever even want to be a Christian. We're glad for you to be here. We want you to be able to uh, get to know us, see what uh, RUF is about. Um, RUF is for those who, um, who can't figure it out, who can't get it right, and who can't keep it together. Um, and that's, that's me, and I hope that's you, uh, because that's who God wrote the Bible for. Uh, that's whom Jesus loved and gave his, his life for. Um, hopefully that's what we'll uh, see as we look at his word uh, tonight. We'll be looking at, we're going this semester through the book of Genesis. I've seen how from the beginning it's relationship uh, with God, how he's made us for himself and continues to relate to us despite all our sins and failures and problems and tripping up that God still continues. He makes promises to us and he uh, provides. Uh, so before spring break, a lot of other things now, after spring break, we'll be skipping a little bit faster and kind of hitting the, uh, the patriarchs. So we're getting to uh, Abraham tonight. So if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 15. Look at the whole that chapter. If you don't have your Bibles on the back side of the announcement sheet, I have it printed for you. A couple cross-references and some uh, bullet points for the sermon, if that helps you uh, follow along or keep up with things. Um, uh, but, but so we're, we're kind of skip over a few chapters, uh, but, but as God has called Abraham uh, out from his homeland, out from Ur of the Chaldees, it talks about, um, has brought him out, and he's been around in the promised land for, for a while, back and forth, some different uh, hard things have happened. And then here we see the Lord speaking to Abraham in this vision and with his dream, and again, making his promises to him. Um, so uh, listen with me, uh, hear God's word from Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and no heir and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, and a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. He did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcass, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And the whole dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain 
that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you yourself, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. The sun had gone down. It was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Ammonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Ergeshites, and the Jebusites. The grass withers and the flower fades. Our scripture says the word of the Lord endures forever. One of the most difficult experiences is just waiting. Um, waiting when you're hoping something good is coming. Uh, whether that's waiting for a package in the mail that you think is going to be exciting, or waiting for St. Patrick's Day this weekend, or getting back from spring break and having to wait again until summer. You're just, you're just left uh, waiting. Abraham here in this passage, is he's waiting. He's in a period of waiting for God's promises that God has already told him back in Genesis 12. He's waiting to start to see the fulfillment of it. God called him out of his homeland, brought him into this place, and he's been wandering around. And while he's there, things haven't been, haven't been easy either. There was a, if you look in some of the intervening chapters between 12 and here, there was a famine. He, had to, he fled the land that he was in and went down to Egypt, and he thought he was going to get killed there. Uh, he came back, and his nephew, who'd been the one kind of companion along with him, their they're, they're, uh, servants and all kind of are, are quarreling. They end up splitting, going different directions. And a lot of his nephew chooses the, the best part of the land for himself. Abram goes the other way. And then he's got to go and rescue uh, his nephew, and there's this big battle, all these different kings around him, and he's, he's going through this. And it's after that, uh, after that battle and that war um, that God speaks to him again and says, uh, fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. I'm protecting you, and this thing that I promised you is still coming. But man, you don't start to see more of the fruit of it until even chapter 21, uh, still several years years later. <laughs> um, he was uh, he, he seemed that God called him out of out of Ur, uh, but then uh, Abram lost his father in, in Haran. Uh, where he died. God called him from there at the age of 75. Told him he was going to have uh, children, make him a great nation, um, and bring him into the land. That was at 75. And in chapter 21, Isaac is finally born, and Abraham is 100. 75 is already kind of old. And then you're waiting another 25 years kind of see some, some hope of this promise happening. It's, it's a hard period to be waiting in. Uh, God, God speaks to, to Abraham uh, in the middle of this waiting, and he speaks to him with encouragement. Fear not, I'm your shield. Your reward will be very great. Remind me. So we go through the passage, what we're going to see is uh, doubt, faith, and assurance. Even a movement and connection between that doubt and faith and assurance. 
Because not only is Abraham here in this passage in a period of waiting, but, but the church, believers, those who are following Christ, are still in the middle of waiting. But we're waiting for reward. It's not, hey, you become a Christian and everything was wonderful. Life is glorious and you paint a happy smile on all the time. Um, it's a call into Christ and into suffering. And, and the reward is still, is still coming. We have the, the king has come. There's a, our, our Savior has, has come. And still the fullness of salvation is, is waiting. Um, we're, uh, we're left waiting for it. It's not, it's not yet by sight, uh, but by faith. That we're to trust in God's promises. <clears throat> but as you, you watch your semester and your life and your heart and the things that you are interested in, um, what are you waiting for? Because unless you're like, fully satisfied with everything in life right now, then, then you're waiting for something. Uh, there's different things that you think, if this happens, life will be good. If this happens, maybe my weekend will be good. Or if this happens, my, my semester is going to be good. Or if these hopes and dreams work out, my life's going to be satisfying. What is it that you're, that you're waiting for? What are you wrestling in? Um, what do you trust that's going to be able to bring that about? Is it what you do is how these things come together. Now, what doubts do you have about those hopes? If they're going to happen, if they can happen. If they'll happen for other people, but not for you. Are you trusting with us? Are those things that you should just give up on or you hold on to your dreams anyway? What are you waiting for? How do you, how do you look at this? Well, when we're waiting, there's always doubts. Uh, that's the first, uh, first point I want us to see uh, from the passage tonight. Doubt and waiting. Twice, Abraham expresses his doubts to the Lord. Right? Listen, doubts when you're waiting are a normal thing. Like if, even if you're just waiting for a package in the mail. Like, it's going to come on Monday? And day goes on Monday, you're like, I don't know, maybe it's not going to come. Maybe it's, still, maybe it's not going to get here until tomorrow. It's just, it's, just a, it's a normal part of any time that you're waiting and hoping for something that you're going to have some, some doubts along with it. It's not even necessarily a bad thing. Hear me on that, because I think a lot of times in Christianity we're kind of told just, just repress your doubts, hide them, and don't, don't do anything with them. Uh, doubts are going to be there. It's not necessarily even a bad thing, but it, but it matters how we deal with our doubts, what we do with them. Um, Abraham, here in this passage, brings his doubts to the Lord. He tells him about it. He's open. Uh, about it. He's expressing them to God. He brings them to God and God answers him. God helps him in that, even encourages him. I think other times what we tend to do is, is draw back. Uh, draw back in doubt or in mistrust or in distrust. Um, but look, here's God. He comes to Abraham. I'm your shield. Your world be great. And then in verse 2, what does Abraham say? My reward's going to be great. Well, yeah, you've told me at the end of chapter 13 that, that my offspring will be like the, the dust of the earth. Right? That looks like the sand of the seashore. You've told me I'm going to have all this offspring. This is the reward I was looking for, but where is it? What will you give me? For I continue not to have any children. The, the heir of all that I have is, is this servant that lives in my house. I'm doubting that you're going to bring this reward. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. Um, you said that you'll make a great nation out of me. But, but I've got nothing. Where, where's this reward? 
Or again in verse, uh, verse 8, after the Lord has said, I brought you uh, to give you this land to possess it. The first thing out of Abraham's mouth is this doubt. Oh, Lord God, he's still, he's recognizing God's sovereignty, saying, you sovereign Lord, how am I to know? You say that you're giving me this land to possess, but man, I'm wandering around from one place to another and having to deal with the people that live there, and I don't see it working. How am I to know that you're giving me this land to possess? expressing his doubts. What do you have doubts about? Things that you hope for for the future. Maybe that's just future in general. You're kind of wondering how your life is, is going to work out or you think in terms of the job that you'll have. Multiple jobs or will there be any jobs when you're, when you're graduating and looking for things? Um, concerned about uh, the, are you in the right major? Is it the thing that fits uh, who you are? Are you going to get the classes that you want to get next semester? How's that going to work out? Who are you going to live with, and your roommates, are you all going to get along, is it going to be great, or are you just going to have to uh, deal with people with in doubts about these, these hopes of, are, are my friends going to be people who will be there for me? Um, okay, can I open up with them? Can I, can I trust them? Um, are finances going to hold out? Uh, where, where's money going to be to make it through the, through the summer? Well, what about when I have to start paying back these, uh, these student loans? Is this, is this a good thing? Um, <clears throat> But I'm going to find people that I connect with. Am I going to grow in those relationships? I'm going to find someone that likes me, that wants to be with me. I'm going to find someone who, who I want to date, who wants to date me. Am I going to find the, the one that I just feel is, is my soulmate and that we connect and get married and spend life together? Is that going to happen? Do we have doubts about these things? And really deeper than just those things, what's behind it are we're saying, does God care? Is he going to provide for me? Um, is the good that I long for something that, that he'll give me? Something that he wants to give me? Something that's good for me? Is, is God there? Is God true? Does he, he exist? Does he provide? How will he take care of me? What will he give me? What, what's a reward that I can look to and say, yes, I'll be uh, some hope? Can I be accepted? Can I be uh, really forgiven by God? Can I, can I still know God's love? Even with uh, things I continue uh, to do, struggles I continue to have. It's difficult. We always, when we're in the waiting, there's, there's doubts. Um, uh, some book I read a while ago put it this way that I thought was good. It says, um, God's yes also entails God's no, or vice versa. God's no is often because of his yes. And that God promises us uh, himself, he promises us good things, and because that's what's good, he says about other things, no, or some things he says not now uh, about. Um, so, so what do we trust in? How does that work out in our, our doubts? What are we, um, we want people to like us. Um, we want to be respected. We want to have position. We want to have... Um, <coughs> Uh, people around us who want to uh, have done respectful things, achieve things with, with purpose. Um, but, but God says, I'm, I give you that position. You're brought into my house. Uh, you're made sons. I've stored up riches for you for eternity. What I call you to now is to, is to serve others. Put their interests above your own. You're not supposed to be a social climber. Uh, you're not supposed to just kind of hide your faults or, or make, make fun of other people to, to move yourself. You're supposed to hang out with a person that makes you look bad to hang out with them um, out of real genuine love for them. 
You're supposed to put yourself in, in hard situations and things. And, so, and it's, hard to, it's hard to not doubt that that's really going to work out with some reward. And all we're seeing is the difficulties of it. Um, when, you, uh, when you want the, the relaxation and the entertainment of, of now, right? If God promises, like, I will give you rest. Even he's given us like a day of rest now as a reminder of that and pointed toward it. But, uh, but he calls us now to this diligence uh, of work um, uh, for him and hoping the rest is to come. But, and there's always like more entertainment and things that we can look for and, and hope in and we're look, looking for it now. And it's because we're, we're doubting is God really going to bring this reward. I'm going to have to get this reward for myself. Where, where is it? What do you have doubts about? Um, listen, you're always going to have doubts. You'll have doubts in waiting because it's, it's really difficult to not be able to see. You, you don't know the future, it's, and it's hard to, to be watching in it. But what are you going to do with those doubts? Are you going to draw back from God because of it? Um, draw back because you're, because you're not sure? Or do you go to him and say, I'm not sure. These are the things that I'm worried about. I, I don't know what to do with this. Can you, can you help me? Uh, see, it's these doubts expressed and answered by the Lord that, that lead to, that build up faith. All right, so move from the first point to the second point. Not only doubt in waiting, but secondly, a faith in waiting. Faith in the middle of waiting. I think doubts are actually, in this case, expressed before God, not part of faith. They're an expression of faith. Uh, one of the commentators doesn't talk about his doubts. He talks about his complaints. He says, uh, complaints are not antithetical uh, to faith, uh, but complaints, are, uh, complaints actually take God prom- God's promises seriously. We're rested in it, and if, it, if we don't see it, then, God, what do we do? Right, but it's that doubts expressed, answered by the Lord that then can lead to faith. Abraham's faith is clear in, in this passage, and it's uh, commended in, in later scripture as well. Look at verse 6. He's showing this, and this says that he believed the Lord, or he trusted the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Um, he, he hears God's answers to his doubts. Uh, and as God takes him out, and he looks up and sees the stars still in the night sky. And hears the voice of him who made those stars and put them in the sky say to him, the offspring I'm giving to you is going to be your son. And he sees the power of the one who is able to, to bring these things about and faithful to continue them, and he trusts God. And believes in him. That, that, that uh, verse, verse 6, is quoted in three different places in the, in the New Testament. It's quoted in Romans chapter 4. You have one of those uh, uh, verses listed for you, or at least the whole of chapter 4 continues back on this. It's quoted in verse 3. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, it's quoted again. Uh, I've got some verses from later in Galatians on your, on your sheet there as well. And James chapter 2. Uh, it's very significant. He believed, he trusted the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So let's just to look a little bit at some of the things that we see here about the nature of faith. Um, because we, I think we get a lot of confusion when we just talk about faith uh, culturally and how the Bible talks about faith or trusting or relying on God. Listen, Abraham was not perfect. Uh, you've already seen that. You'll see some more things in it. Um, even his faith was not perfect. 
He's still waiting. Um, and in that waiting, he's struggling. Uh, the very next chapter, chapter 16, he sleeps with his uh, wife's servant. I mean, he had her permission. That really didn't make it okay. Didn't work out very well. Um, uh, but, but the effort was still, I was going to give you this offspring. He said it would be from, my, from me, but, well, maybe, uh, maybe if I'm with this other woman, then that's how we'll get uh, this offspring. It's an impatient faith, uh, only partially trusting God, but not, not living out of that, not fully. I uh, trust still, still imperfect. But look, his faith is not focused on himself. Uh, here. It's not focused on his ability to believe. That's the way we talk about a lot of times. He just really had faith. He really just believed in himself. His faith is focused on the Lord, on, on the character of, and the power of the one who makes those promises. When he sees the stars, he says, this is, this is the God who can make that stuff happen. Yeah, he can, he can give me a son. He can do what he says. He's, he's good and he's powerful to be able to do uh, what he promises. Um, but still this faith is a, it has to learn patience. It's a long waiting uh, faith, right? It's, you know, he's 75 when he leaves Haran. It's not 100 to, it's, it's 25 years until, um, uh, until Isaac is born. Uh, there's this partial fulfillment of his offspring is Isaac, but yeah, I mean, how would you like to wait 25 years for something? Or, or 25 years is like, yeah, I think you could do that. How about like 400? Right. He's talking about the land that he's promised him, and um, he says, okay, how, how am I going to know that? And God says all these things among it. He says, listen, 400 years, uh, your descendants are actually going to be in slavery to this other nation. Like, so I'm hoping in this promise, and you're gonna, but first there's going to be this whole 400 years of my descendants being, you know, being afflicted in, in, in Egypt. Um, but then after that, he will bring them back into the, into the land. There's a waiting to it. Um, but, but listen, that's just kind of the partial fulfillment of it. Uh, the full fulfillment of it is, is way, way longer and way, 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 way uh, better. Right? The greater fulfillment of this promise of offspring is, is who? Um, it's, it's Jesus. That's the way uh, Galatians uh, says it. Look at the little passage there on Galatians 3. Um, Galatians 3.16 says, Now the, these promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, and it doesn't say to offsprings, plural, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, it says, who is Christ. But he was saying to Abraham here, he was, yes, Isaac, his son is going to come, but he's referring to this greater son that would come from Abraham, our Savior, our King, who is Christ. Um, it, it's, it's one, but then he goes on in verse 29 of Galatians 3 to say, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Uh, so this, this promise is focused around Christ and then all who are in him. Uh, so Galatians says that, uh, that the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham, saying, and you all the nations shall be blessed. And so now every uh, believer that has ever existed and will ever exist is part of that, as uh, memorable as the stars in the sky. The sand on the seashore, the dust of the earth. That that's how this promise was being fulfilled in Christ's coming. Uh, and, and this faith was, was encouraged to be looking ahead uh, to this. Um, the, the, the land, uh, as well, the land's not just Canaan. They went around and the people came back in. Uh, but ultimately this points to uh, the, the new creation. 
Uh, the new heavens and the, and the new earth when Christ uh, returns that Revelation talks about. Hebrews uh, mentions this explicitly in Hebrews 11. It talks about Abraham. It talks about him trusting and looking uh, for the cities whose, whose foundations were from the, from the Lord. He, he, uh, Philippians also says we're, we're citizens of, of heaven. We're, we're looking for the city that was to come. Um, looking for a, he said if he was looking for a homeland, he could have gone back to the other place, but he called uh, where Christ is his home. This land that we're looking for isn't just the physical place that he's, that he's around, that his descendants are going to be in, but what Christ as king can bring, uh, can bring to earth, this new earth, this new creation, where everything is made right. Uh, that's what faith is actually hoping is, it, right? The, the way uh, Ephesians says, uh, God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. But the faith is waiting on God to do it. Say, well, what is this reward? How am I going to? How am I going to know this? Where am I going to see it? Um, it's these great promises, but how do we get to receive those promises? Through through faith. That's, that's all that's required of it. Um, not even a very strong faith like you see with Abraham. Jesus says even the, the weakest of faith, small as the mustard seed, is able to do uh, move mountains and things. Um, receive it simply through, tr- through trusting the one who's able to do it. And he gives it. That's what the, so the significance of, that Paul brings out uh, of verse 6 is. And he believed. All he did was he trusted. He had faith. He trusted the Lord. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Um, it was counted to him as if he was worthy to receive this blessing. Um, uh, we're constantly trying to, to, be, to be good enough for God then to bless us. Right? Uh, for God to, to give us what we want. We're kind of, sometimes we get in this kind of bargaining relationship with God or we're bartering with him. It's like, uh, I know things haven't been going well. It's probably because I haven't been reading my Bible or I haven't got, I'm going to be going to church now and I'm going to go to RUF and I'm going to like, read my Bible and pray. And God, so I want you to turn my grades around here at the end of the semester. I want you to make like, uh, you know, finances start to work out. I want um, a living situation. Lord, would you please bring something? I'll do all this stuff like I'm supposed to be doing if you'll do these things for me. We're trying to somehow say, this blessing that we want from you, uh, what's the way that we can be counted worthy of it? Uh, what we're trying to do is instead of believing in God, we're trying to do something so that God will believe in us, that he'll trust us to be good enough. Um, and we're not. If he's faithful, trust him to be good and powerful enough to bring what's good. He says, Abraham, all Abraham did was he trusted God and it was counted to him uh, as righteousness, as if he was worthy to receive it. The blessing of it gets to belong to him simply through trusting. And look at Romans. The words, it was counted to him. This is on your little sheet there, Romans 4, 23. Uh, the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone. You thought, like, oh, that was about Abraham. No, it was not written for his sake alone, verse 24, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our righteousness, raised for our uh, justification. Um, as, as we hope in God who fulfills promises, we get the very uh, righteousness of Christ who suffered what we deserved and was raised up, vindicated as righteous. We get to be seen in him that his righteousness belongs to us. Um, I mean, don't try to pretend that you're like that worthy of blessing. 
yeah, I'm pretty much as good as Jesus. Um, but that's what it would take. But we get that simply by trusting in Christ as our substitute. And God who has the power to raise him and give us salvation through that, then we get to be that blessed. We get to have God's love, his forgiveness, his acceptance, his, the rewards placed up with us. Uh, that's all bound up in Christ. We get to have Christ himself. Uh, and him giving, uh, giving himself to us. Um, we're still waiting uh, in the present. How we're waiting. We're privileged because Christ has already come. Redemption has been accomplished. The, the death of Christ and his res- resurrection is a historical uh, fact, witnessed to us in history, witnessed to us in the scripture. Um, so we're, we're still waiting for his return. Um, we're privileged to have seen in history how marvelously God fulfills his promise beyond anything that was expected. Um, and we're waiting to see what's that reward even, even look like. Um, how much better is it than what we're expecting? And listen, that God's bringing it and he promises and says, trust in me. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. Uh, in Christ, this reward is to be ours. Uh, the question is, will we, will we trust in the Lord? Will we continue in faith? Will we take him at his word? It's still difficult. Um, so we can go from doubts uh, to faith, but there's still a need for assurance. Uh, thirdly, in the passage, assurance in waiting. Abraham's doubt in waiting, we see his faith in waiting, but he's, he's looking for and asking from God for assurance uh, in waiting. As soon as the Lord has said uh, um, that I will give this land for you to possess, uh, verse 8, Abraham says, Lord, how am I to know? How can I be sure? I'm going to possess this land. Can you, I, I, here's my doubts. I believe in you, but help build my weak faith that I would have, that I would be able to, tr- to trust anymore. And the assurance is really one of the highlights uh, of this passage. Um, the, 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 the assurance that God gives uh, to Abraham. Um, Abraham trusts the Lord in verse 6 and then still asks, how can I know? And God answers, and he answers with the covenant. You see going on in the rest of the passage, a covenant, you see this word, all through Scripture, rich, rich word in, in Scripture, that's describing the relationship that we get to have with God. Uh, that, that we get to relate to God, that God's our God, and we get to be His people through covenant. Not just because, hey, we want Him to be our God, or he, but because He has formalized a relationship of agreement, promising, even swearing an oath to us that He will love us and provide for us in Christ. Um, it's a covenant. Something that's not, that he will never uh, break, um, that we are uh, supposed to not break, but do break, that Christ fulfills for us. <clears throat> reason have this covenant all, all through Scripture. Um, you've seen this already. It's kind of been, uh, you've seen the, the idea of it with, with Adam. You've seen it expressed to Noah. It's expressed to Abraham in, verse, in chapter 12, here in 15 and 17, all through uh, Genesis. The rest of the Old Testament continues to reflect on it. Uh, what, is, what is Jesus saying the night before he's betrayed? When he's uh, giving the, 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 uh, the Lord's Supper, instituting that meal, he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. The new covenant in my blood of a relationship uh, with God through me that sealed its promise with an oath that cannot be broken. That you get to belong to God uh, through me. 
and to have uh, his love, to belong to him, and he to be your God. Um, now, you know, so Abraham falls in this deep sleep, and it's kind of referencing uh, Adam uh, when uh, Adam was God put him into a deep sleep and uh, made Eve out of his, his rib. It's a similar kind of thing, and there's some there's some odd stuff in this uh, uh, this this um, this dream, this, this vision that begins to happen here, and what God uh, reveals. Some of the details are kind of hard to say. How does this how does particularly interpreted? Why is it these particular animals, or what's the reference to? Uh, why is it a smoking fire pot and a flame and uh, different things, but uh, there's some of those are kind of hard to interpret. This much is, is clear. You get a basic idea of this relationship. And that God's making it a covenant. Um, and so uh, uh, God himself, he's manifesting himself in this smoking, uh, smoking oven uh, and in this flame is, is a sign of God's presence as he walks through these slain animals. Right? They've been cut in half. And what they were doing is, is what just in ancient things was uh, was their was their covenant? It's not just called to make a covenant. It was to cut a covenant. You would take these animals, uh, part them, and then you would walk through them. And walking through them symbolized the agreement, much stronger than a handshake or signing a contract. It's saying we will do what we are agreeing together, and if not, may we be torn apart like these animals. 